Hello and welcome to Blood on the Tamases, a Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle set in Oxfordshire, England 2012. Um, and this is the last episode of season three and the last episode of the Chronicle. So a bit of an emotional time, so emotional in fact that the computer cannot handle it and is very sad. So thank you for bearing with us if you have been watching us live um, and do let us know if you experience any further technical difficulties as we go. Anyway, without any further ado, with me tonight we have... Philip Belly returning for the last time the Salishaw Clambria. X playing Velvet of Clan Ventru. And Carlos playing Theodore Penn of Clan La Sombra. Marvellous. So... Um, we left our brave kindred deep, deep in the New Forest. Uh, they had gone there to escort the boon keeper, Gareth Thomas, uh, as he was going to oversee Helena's trial. And Helena was trying to bring back the head of the bowman. So we left them in the middle of a, of a fairly fraught combat uh, last session where the bowmen had dropped from the trees above the heads of our coterie. But before he could get his claws into them, uh, Theodore had grabbed him, plucked him from the air with the arms of the Araman. Heroically. Um, heroically, one might say. And uh, Velvet and Silas had had only a glimpse of this through the kind of the torchlight, which was all very strange and sinister. But what everyone is aware of is that he's been hurled through the air, rolling across the ground to land at Helena's feet. And Helena is going to try and take advantage of this situation and attack him while he's on the ground. And the bowman is already seeming to respond very rapidly to try and reach up, lunge up towards her with his clawed fingers. Now, um, the coterie were gathered by a kind of outcropping of rock in the woods. Uh, Velvet is very much behind the rock. Uh, Gareth, the boonkeeper, is sort of behind the rock but peeking out a little bit. Behind both of them is Theodore. And in front of everybody is Silas, who is leaning out quite considerably just to see exactly what is going on. It is also worth mentioning that whilst the night <coughs> is dark, um, there is an additional chill now in the air that Silas and Velvet, you all feel kind of behind you. Um, there is something deeply unpleasant about this feeling, something that, that puts you on edge at a deep level. Silas, you will have experienced this before, but never quite so close as it is now. Um, just as a quick reminder, who is still carrying any kind of torch? Mm, not me. I think I dropped mine in the no, ground. Yeah, I think Silas has dropped his torch so he can yeah. fight. So what about you, Velvet? Are you, are you still carrying <clears throat> your torch? No, uh, probably, yeah. Probably. Cool. You are the only yeah, I think, person. Yeah, I think you're the one. No, you're the only you're person the most carrying a torch. Habit. Silas's torch is casting some lights, but obviously it's casting light in a random place now. It's no longer where the fighting is happening. Is anybody doing anything in the moment where this all happens, i.e. where Helena starts to lunge at the bowman and the bowman starts to lunge up her? Is anyone doing anything or are you just observing or I hiding? I think Theodore... 
I think Theodore is going to start shouting, like, sort of like combat field instructions. Like, he's going to consider this, a, a, you know, a, 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 a place of engagement, and he's going to start shouting out sort of orders around. So what kind of orders is he giving, and who is he giving them to? Um, Silas. Well, to Silas, go inside the cave and and stake the kindred inside. Basically, removing him out of the combat between the bowman and Helena, because he's the one who's closest, and I want him re to remove him from harm and place him there. Okay. Which I think makes me closest. Then, and, and my next instruction would be to Velvet, as in grabbing his arm and and and, <clears throat> and the arm of, of the Herald and say, do not let go. No matter what happens, do not let go. We're going to have to leave soon. Okay. So, Silas, what do you do? Silas will step inside, pull a stick out of his pocket, okay. and find whichever. And... So, Silas, you work your way and duck under into the cave and as you are starting to do that two things strike you one is that you don't have a light source and it's pitch black in this cave the other um, is that you can hear something rattling and banging sounds like metal chinking but also like something banging on a door something a little bit like that um thrashing and snarling and you you think immediately that there is another there is probably a someone having some kind of fit and silas's suspicion because you've been told to stake a kindred is that it is a kindred in <coughs> frenzy so that's what you're aware of as you're going into this pitch black cave because yeah, pulling out phones i have a little bit of light yeah. from the phone so whilst theodore is starting to give his instruction to velvet helena will lean forward um, this is probably only visible to you theodore if unless you're unless mm -hmm. you're also staying tucked out of sight no, I am. I am. I am okay. keeping an eye on both of them because I need to relay instructions to the others. So you see, Helena repeatedly stab the bowman with her knife, multiple times, kind of on his body. Okay. Is he moving? Yes, he is driving his hands up through her. Okay. Um, chest. Um, and it is clear she hisses in pain. There is something. The way the bowman moves and fights feels to you like honorless fighting like barely contained bestial fighting it is not that he is in a frenzy but his movements have that slightly supernatural edge to them that someone whose beast is close to the surface often has okay. so you see him drive his hands deep inside helena's body but helena does not stop stabbing him and she brings this thing down like a hammer every time. And she is moving both supernaturally quickly, but also with supernatural force. I at use this the point. Oh, sorry. At this point, you grab Velvet and Gareth. And you say the thing, you, you tell them not to let go and to stay close. Yeah. Right? So basically, if, if I see that, I, my, my phrase would be, Velvet, do not let go no matter what happens. And to Gareth, I go like, when when we hear the hiss of Helena, I go like, that should be enough. She's done. We have done your we're, our work. We better start moving out of here. Okay. So Velvet, 
When yes. Theodore puts his hand on your arm, you shiver involuntarily. You feel... I mean, it's a scary situation. It is a scary situation. <laughs> it's a bit of a shock, obviously, because someone's suddenly grabbed you and you realize belatedly it's Theodore. But nevertheless, you feel a chill run down your spine, but you hear his words clearly enough. But oh, he's presumably touched me before and I haven't had this issue. Yes, correct. Yeah, but okay. you have not seen two elders fighting, so you're probably shaking. <laughs> nice try. Uh, I, I don't, I to, I, I I'm not sure what he, um, what he means by "don't let go." Okay. So, so, I, so that's what I'm going to ask him. I'm, I'm, I'll shake his hand free, actually, okay. of my arm. Okay. And, and I'll say, I'll say, don't let, uh, don't, don't let go of what. Are you turning to face um, him, or are you staying? At, are you attending to kind of in the direction where the yes, fighting is? Yes. So, so no, you, I'll turn when to you face say him, that, Velvet, and you turn, and your flashlight glances over Theodore. The weird thing is, it's like he's harder to make out than he should be. You can see the shape of him, but it's like the light seems to kind of glance that the, 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 the light of your torch kind of glances over him rather than picking him out properly um and then i i take a step backwards away from him and i drag the boom keeper with me because i don't know if the bowman might have done something to theo sure but he looks frightening he does he looks so, absolutely terrifying and it's at this point you realize yeah. that his eyes mm -hmm. are just black pits just seems to vanish into the sockets of his skull. It is like looking into. Oh, the then abyss. I grab the boomkeeper and I'm going. I'm not <laughs> running away, but I'm I'm trying to get away from him. Okay, and not go near the bowman. So I'm probably I'm tripping over the outcropping or something. I don't. So you're just like heading yeah. into the woods. No, I'm not like running away. Away. You're just backing off. Um, you're putting some distance between you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Listen to me, Velvet. Just go, like, make a run for it. Let's go, now. And I point in the direction which we came. Sure. Roughly, like, sort of that way. So he, he moves and sounds like Theodore. It's just... Because he is Theodore. <laughs> there's just this sort of vaguely terrifying uh, okay. air around him. Okay, in which case um, I will... Uh, well, I've, assuming I've still got hold of Gareth, you do. Um, yes. I okay. I'll I'll say which which way. I don't know the way out of here. It's we got lost hours ago. Who even knows where we are now? Gareth knows, and I point in the direction because, like in the direction we came, roughly. So Theodore points with usual be, Theodore right confidence in that direction. Now, before we resolve this, that enables me. Before Sorry, we carry yes. on this moment. Because lots of things are happening in concert. Around this point, Theodore, over Velvet's shoulder and kind of the rocks, you can't see the bowman very well, but obviously you can see Helena repeatedly stabbing down on him. And she continues doing that, despite the fact that his claws are in her. He pulls her down closer to him, mm -hmm. and you hear the, the crunch of his fangs penetrating the bone of her ribcage. And then can they hear it as well? And then everybody hears it, apart from Silas, who's in the cave. Okay. And, he's, yeah. and there's, a, there's a screaming vampire in there, so we'll come to him in a second. 
Um, what what you see, Theodore, what you're reminded of, because I believe you were there at the time that it happened. Mm -hmm. uh, and I should say both Velvet and Theodore, you will hear this. You hear this kind of horrible kind of... Sound. Oh my God. Like... Like, basically like me drinking a milkshake essentially <laughs> is what it's like um, yeah there is a there is the sound of blood rushing from helena's body into the bowman's mouth um and theodore you alone because your eyesight is excellent will see some of those stab wounds already just closing up as if they were never there oh, silas you are in the cave it is dark. Yep. You yep. have a stake in your hand, and you are making your way towards... The phone with the light. Yeah, the phone <laughs> Are you putting your phone light on? Okay. When you take your phone out, you see you have lots of missed messages. You put your phone light on, and under Wait, we have phone signal. I phone Adam. Oh, no, no. These are not... No. This is not... These, these are messages old. from now. These are old messages. So, Silas, with the weak light from your phone, you can now pick out the coffin, which has the chain that holds it closed. And you will yep. see that a section of the coffin lid has been broken off and that something is gradually ripping, now that there is a break in the lid, ripping it to shreds in a ravenous, crazy manner. However, it is still currently trapped, or he is still currently trapped in the coffin. But he, with a beast's determination, is just tearing and thrashing and gradually working his way out. What would you like yeah. to do? I'm going to move in and just stake him. Okay. You... You, uh, you move in to stake him. So I think this is going to be a dexterity and melee roll. It's fair to say... Um, that there are some interesting impacts on the difficulty because in some ways this guy can't move but in other ways it's very hard to get him directly in the heart with the, yeah. with the angle that you have. Anything I should know about your approach, Silas, or are you just going to go and have a hopeful go at staking this person? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of... Uh, re remembering from, of course, uh, medical knowledge with uh, using uh, medical memories with us I've had because because I've been spending a lot of time with Joanne previously, you know, <laughs> taking taking care and re and remembering where uh, where a certain hole was in Samata's uh, Samata's armor. Okay, I'm going for that area, making sure to go use those to try and that sure. area. Sure. Um, and this needs to be done quick, so I'll rouse. Excellent. So um, you you move forward phone with its little light in one hand stake in the other and as you get closer you you see the kind of the hands clawing out of the hole in your vague direction um, as you lean in with your stake um, i have five successes five successes mm-hmm so and i don't know and he passes the rouse chick wood yep. splinters as you drive your stake slightly through the lid, the edge of the lid, I, to get the right angle. I, 
I, I did as well. With my uh, last session have uh, have prowess. I remember. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Wow. Yeah. So it is it is trivial for you to break through this already cracked lid and drive your stake. You're not entirely sure whether you perfectly stake this thing in the heart or not, but you certainly drive this deep enough into this beaten, wretched creature to stop it moving. Yep. And cool. then I'm moving out. <laughs> okay. So you turn, you start to make your way back out. Meanwhile, back outside, mm -hmm. Velvet, I believe you were having an interaction with Theodore. So, so, um, so I, I think I'm, so I've got Gareth with me, which means I think I'm based on what Theodore said that he knows where we have to go. So I'll, I'll call to him or I, I mean, he's right by me. Right. So I can say to him, um, Gareth, which way do we got to go? We have to get out of here. Uh, Gareth will. Let's see how Gareth um, does. So Gareth is um, looking quite worried and like he's slightly maybe in shock. Um, and he will be like, uh, I, uh, I don't, I don't know. You're supposed to be protecting me. I, I, I'm just supposed to watch Helena. You're alive, aren't you? We're protecting you. This is. I'll call the call the Theodore. Um, which, which goddamn way? I, I turn and I point into the, the direction that I think, like, that, that I, I need to tell them to go. It's like, that way, don't stop until you hear me or Silas is behind you. Silas, bring that body with you! And I take my satchel down, open it, throw it in the ground, and, and take a couple of steps in the way of the bowman and, and Helena. And okay. watch there. Just, just to interpose myself between them and the rest of the group. So whilst, I mean, whilst you are sorry, saying all of that, Theodore, to Velvet, you become aware that whilst the bowman still has his teeth sank into Helena, Helena has stopped stabbing him, by the way. She has slumped against his body. You are aware that a pair of glowing red eyes are now looking in your direction. He currently still has his grip on Helena. He's not, and he's laying on his back, but... His head, is t his, his head is still, I should say, his fangs are still in her body, but he, you can mm -hmm. see one of his eyes looking, looking at my through direction. the darkness at you. So you are taking your bag down. Velvet, what do you do? Wait, so just to check I've understood this properly, this is now is looking like the Bowman's next target is Theodore. Potentially. Okay, <laughs> then I get the Boomkeeper... And per our agreement, I leg it in the direction that Theodore pointed. Okay. Um, nice. I would like you, Velvet, to make a charisma and leadership role. This is basically to control Gareth. Okay. Um, obviously, if you want to rouse, you can. Uh, and all in all things apply. I will do that. Silas, whilst that is going on, you, what are you doing? You hit, you'll probably hear Theodore shouting. Yeah, I know. You'll be aware I, I, that I, the sounds of combat have stopped. Bollocks. Yeah. That is three Moving. successes for a velvet. Okay. So, Gareth will decide that Velvet knows what he's doing and will hurry off alongside Velvet. So and Velvet you, doesn't you, you go, go off into the woods in a direction okay. that Theodore pointed. I should say, Velvet, I should say, Velvet, that when you had that look at Theodore, yeah. 
you could, with the light of your torch, make out the way his arm was pointing, but you had to squint to do it. And there is a kind of after image of him logged in your brain that is kind of scary. So not helping, Peter. Uh, sorry, it's like the ST code. <laughs> you have to be a dick. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> so, Silas, you, you'll hear people shouting about the body. It's up to you if you want to or not. The fighting has stopped. What do you want to do? Uh, I'm, I'm just, uh, trying to sort of get up to see what's happening with some there. So what is everybody's next action? I'm going to assume, Velvet, yours is run away through the woods. Yep. He who turns and runs away can run away another day. Indeed. Out of interest, do you have any survival? Oh, I mean, on, I'd be folks. staggered on, if on. I do. Hold on. We might be having a technical difficulty. No. Oh, we're back. We're back. Yeah. Um, I have no survival. That is good to know. So sorry, folks, if you briefly lost us for a moment there. The computer is very emotional tonight, so it's going to struggle at points. I'm sorry. All right. So Velvet, um, you just run off into the woods and you do that completely successfully. You think you're going in the direction that Theodore pointed. Gareth is with you. Pretty soon, you're just in the trees, rushing along. I'll come back to you in a bit. Okay. Yep. Silas, mm -hmm. Theodore, what are your intentions? I just gesture Silas to just get Velvet. Like, follow Velvet. But my action is I'm going to use the arms of the Iron Man, extend, extend it through my shadow all the way to the, where the Bowman is. So mm -hmm. if I need to approach even further, I will. Sure. What are you intending to do? Uh, well, I will split most of my dice pool is going to be to start enveloping and surrounding the bowman so I can grapple him while one arm is going to go into the bag and grab the jerry cans and using the cover of the of the shadows get them around to where he is. So basically I'm keeping my bay. Okay. So you are attempting to grapple him. Mhm. Mm sure. So split your dice pool as you want, and you can start making that mm -hmm. roll. Silas, what is your action? What do you intend to do? Uh, Silas, I'm going to see, see that it's gone very much against them. Things are going there. He's going to... He knows he, he knows he can't... There's no way he can fight him. But there is one thing that he can try... Because he has no idea what the fuck what the fuck he was doing. He has no idea with that. So he's going to try to dread gaze. Oh, so you're going to try and dread gaze the bowman. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. That's cool. So what I would so. like you to do 
is uh, make your roll, Silas. Um, Theodore, can you also make your uh, roll? I did mine. Did, did, did I did I did I regain? Sorry, did I regain? I did split my pool. Um, did I regain willpower to see because my desire was fulfilled to see Helena fall? Yes, you did. I use it. I use that willpower again. Sure. And I reroll. Uh, I'm, I'm, I will rouse for this roll. Um, okay. So I can get the biggest boost I can. Okay. Wow. I'm so dead. Oh, come on. I think, that, I think that roll went through. No, it didn't. Shit. Yeah, we're dead. And I go hungry. Uh, right, so I'm tell me what you got. I'll wait for the power. Because obviously, if he's the two of you are dead, I'm also dead. Just a bit later on. <laughs> yeah, but it's you know, you were the last man standing. That's the important thing. Mm -hmm. That's a good reroll. Uh, okay, I have five successes. five successes. I only got two. Okay, that was on the grapple, right? And I got. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a shitty grapple. Oh fuck! 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 What? Oh no! Yeah, I got five successes. Crap. So, Silas, you bear your fangs and you make yourself as imposing as possible. You remember that you are the blood of the Black Douglas and that it is in your power to make lesser creatures flee from you. And you reveal your kind of vampiric strength, bear your fangs, let out a cry. Velvet, of course, you will hear this cry echoing through the woods. Um, I run faster. Theodore, <laughs> you reach across with the darkness towards the bowman. But whereas before you caught him completely by surprise, he is watching you this time. And also he does something you're not quite expecting. Silas, your attempt to intimidate the bowman seems to meet with some degree of success in that he does not spring up to attack you. Indeed, you sense he seems to... He doesn't run in terror, but he does seem to flinch slightly as if this does give him pause. What possibly mitigates it a little is that some of your sort of majestic demeanour is a little impinged when you see... Because you've got your light shining on him you see this kind of dark shape that sends a chill down you move over to try and reach for him. Now, it's worth saying at this point um, that I think, Silas, you will realise that this is coming from Theodore at this point. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's it, I mean, this kind of very past you, It's pretty obvious. And it scares you. Not enough to stop you doing what you're doing, but enough to maybe take some of the edge off it because it's hard to scare other people when you yourself are thinking, oh, what's that? Um, <laughs> the bowman does recoil, but what he does, um, you see him, he pulls his hands free. He's watching you, and Silas and Theodore, you both get the sense no longer purely as prey. You have obviously escalated to something more than that in his eyes. Before, and when I he was there, it was, there was a cool kind of dispassionate thing. There is a more animalistic wariness around him now. But what he does is he wraps his arms around Helena's body. 
you can still only see one of his eyes because he's still face smushed into her body. And then he just seems to sink and descend into the earth, taking her with him. Hmm. What do you do? Um, this is tricky. Uh, Theodore will pour a jerry can with his tentacle over the place he he went there. Actually, both. Okay, so Silas, the earth as much as possible. You see two jerry cans seeming to move in the dark. And you'll hear the sound of, you know, gasoline pouring out onto the space. I'm, I'm going to see if I can grab, grab the torch that I dropped and find, find me if I can claim more, because I want a sword. Yeah, you, you run and grab the torch. It is still and quiet, but it does not feel safe here at all. Yep, that's why I want the big one. <laughs> Theodore, you have you have emptied both jerry cans by the time Silas has collected his sword in a in an area kind of over where you think they were. You, yeah, and you can like, see exactly like sort of where like, they went into the earth. So, yeah, it's like basically like using the tentacles to dig a little bit. I don't know. He went there. I will just make a little puddle and light it up from afar. Okay, with a bullet at a distance. So you 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 move back and leave that fire and you fire your gun. And immediately, mm -hmm. there is a roar of flames. Um, so oh, Silas and Theodore, this will provoke your beast to want to run. Yep. Um, difficulty is not super high, though, because neither of you are that close. But it is nevertheless a sudden rush of flame in your immediate vicinity. Yep. So it's a frenzy roll. It is a terror frenzy roll, yes. So it is okay. your current willpower. With obviously humanity. My current with power plus humanity. Uh, is that the right roll? Yep. I got a success. I am rolling off. I have one success. Okay. So the two of you immediately flee. Excellent. You see the flames go up in the space where they were. Um, part of your mind, as it recoils from the fire, also thinks you're in a forest. This could get really bad. Only you can prevent forest fires. Um, I mean, yeah, you, have you don't think much <laughs> yeah. more about that because you are both fleeing. So I'm going to spin forward a little bit at this point because what happens is a significant amount of the night passes. I say a significant amount. I mean like half an hour passes, maybe an hour in which Theodore and Silas run through the woods until such time as they are definitely without doubt clear of those flames and safe enough that your beast says, this is okay now. This is fine. You don't run in the same direction, of course. You just run away. Um, it is worth saying, despite the fact that you were in a terror frenzy, Silas, you have managed to hold on to your claymore because your beast is a caring beast. And the, the, were you carrying the dude or were you not carrying the stake? No, he didn't carry the dude. No. He never picked him up. No. 
Nope. However, no. your beast cares less about your phone. You have dropped that. Um, Theodore, you will still be carrying your gun. Just so as you know. Mm -hmm. um, so you will both find yourself somewhere in the middle of the woods. Um, Velvet, for slightly different reasons, you will find yourself somewhere in the middle of the woods. And you are, of course, lost. I'm very angry because it's a problem I can't resolve by throwing money at her. Yeah, it's completely <laughs> outrageous. <laughs> yeah. So just in general terms, what are your characters intending to do to resolve your Lost in the Woods situation? I start navigating my way towards the cars, but I start shouting out looking for the guys. Sure. I'm going to do the best I do, do the best I can. I as has uh, no survival skills either, so... He's going to do the best he can from memory of okay. what he knows. So, to cut a long story short, after some time, you will manage to reunite. You will hear Theodore's okay. voice calling, because there aren't many people shouting in the woods. Yes, you're far apart, but you're not that far apart. It just takes time. And by the time you are coming back to the cars, you are aware that you have a little bit of time before the sunrise, but not hours and hours of time. I have a question. Yes. How ruined are Silas's clothes? Silas's clothes? Yeah, the ones I'm wearing. Oh. <laughs> I mean, they're muddy. Okay. They're, not, they're not particularly, you weren't attacked or anything else. I mean, I congratulate myself. For not wearing my own clothes. Yes. yes. That was a good <laughs> Otherwise, move. That was a good move. Yeah, it was a good move. Um, um, Gareth remains very uneasy, but you have kept him okay. calm, Velvet, throughout this this time. So let us bring okay. our coterie back together, um, just because I want to see what happens in this initial interaction. Kind of, you you've got back to the cars, or the car. But and the the, sorry, there's not enough time for us to drive back to Oxford, correct? You could do it, but it'll be tight. You'll okay. be racing the sun, but you could do it. So. Uh, in which case, uh, okay. So, you, uh, you found each other. Let's let's pick this up maybe as you're kind of coming out of the woods towards the cars. You can talk to each other if you wish. Um, Theodore is no longer exhibiting terrifying aspects. He seems like normal Theodore. Okay. I'm running to the car and I'll shake to the two of them. Uh, we have to get on the road now if we're getting back before sunlight. So, so, st stows the stuff on the bike and just takes off. Yes, just go ahead. We'll meet you there. <laughs> and uh, who's driving? Is Velvet in the driver's seat or is it the other? Or is he letting Theodore uh, drive? I think Theodore. He's letting Theodore drive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Theodore just jumps in the car and just books it behind Silas as fast as he can. Sure. Okay. To be clear, he Velvet will look very very upset i'm very confused i'm very afraid um but this is not the time to pick this up so but i'm just that theodore will notice this yes okay. i theodore will just mention to to gareth it's like um were you able to see her fall he says, you need uh, to report I, on what you saw he nods he nods in a very kind of jerky terrified way I, I saw it, yes. He got away. Just drive. Oh, no, I'm, I'm just driving, and when we're like in, in a, it's a straight line, 
like 10 or 15 minutes later in the motorway that I just has to have to go in one direction. I go like, okay, he got away. He sunk into the ground and then he will remain quiet. Like the other will not say a word because he's ups like he's angry that the guy got away. Yeah. So you drive and it is tenser than you would like. Yeah. Um, but as luck would have it at this I hour, the roads are very empty and clear. Uh, it is very tense within the car, but I assume there is very little in terms of conversation. Mm-hmm. If I talk at all, it's to Gareth, and I only talk to him if he talks to me. Uh, Gareth will mainly be clutching the kind of uh, the side of the door on one hand, um, and he will also probably he will be sitting quite close to Velvet actually, like like you're some kind of source of comfort for him. Which is odd because there's plenty of room okay. in this car for you to be sitting, you know, one in each back seat and that'd be fine. But he is sitting more like in the middle. Okay. It's quite odd. Uh, okay. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't comment this, on it unless uh, you do. Sorry. No, I don't comment on it at this point in time. I have uh, a lot of things on my mind. <laughs> so I, I will just, I'll assume that he's doing what he needs to do to keep his shit together. Mm-hmm. And um and you know, well trust trust whoever this man driving the car is to uh, to get us back home as uh, quickly as possible. Okay. So to cut a long story short, you will make it back before the sunrise, um, but only just. It is a matter that you kind of pull in, and you can feel your body is getting heavy, um, and it's pretty much all you can do to throw yourselves into your respective rooms, which is what I assume you're doing, unless anyone's doing something different I should know about. Well, yeah, if it's give really Gareth close a room, to yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we give him a room in, in the haven for the night. Sure, yeah. But yeah. that's it. And then I go off to Adam. Um, so as you, you say to, to Gareth, um, you know, you can sleep in here, and he will say, Velvet, to you, I, I don't want to sleep alone. I'll say, do you, do you normally have someone that you sleep with? He, he says, not after tonight. I, I, I don't want to be alone. He looks at you with pleading eyes. I'll, um, I'll say, uh, well, I, I can't, I can't stay in this room with you. I have, I have somewhere else to be. Um... <laughs> so he makes an attempt to persuade you but it's so poor he just takes the willpower damage and then gives up Um, okay i I think sarah would have arrived first to where to close the garage behind them and then he would he he's intending to do the fucking claymore to bed because (laughs) (laughs) okay i'll say to gareth i'll uh, i'll say to gareth i'll come i'll come and check on you in the morning he looks, um... And then I'll just leave, like, awkwardly. Yeah. Awkwardly leave him, looking like he's in some state of distress, but you, you leave anyway. Um, you'll just... Like, Adam's eyes are, like, closing as you're coming in. Okay. Um, but he looks like he's fighting to stay awake. 
Um, no, I will fall into the bed next to him and become unconscious in a very romantic way. So you you fall <laughs> you fall romantically onto the bed next to him, and he, with the kind of last vestiges of his strength, reaches out and puts a hand over yours as the two of you fall into torpor. Um, certainly, the rest of you or Silas and Theodore, you have a slightly less romantic scenario. Um, your claymore does not hug you, but you obviously hug it, Silas. Um, yep. And it does give you some measure of comfort to feel that strength. And also to know that this terrifying figure, this bowman, who is actually, you realize, some kind of weird relative of yours, that you were able to make him recoil from you in some manner. And that does give you some solace, but it doesn't entirely shake that image of that single red eye staring at you like something that could be fed upon as you fall into torpor. And, and Theodore, of course, you are frustrated. The darkness which had served you so well and enabled you to, to toss him like a ragdoll was not quite up to it at the end. Um, and that is frustrating. And you too will fall into torpor. So I imagine there is at least one scene we need to play between the coterie the next evening. Indeed. Before we move yeah. into a slightly different time frame. So, so the, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, shoot. So Go if anyone on. wants to talk about, uh, obviously make your rouse checks. Mm -hmm. Should it be relevant? Do we regain the, are we regaining the willpower or something like that? Or are we not? Oh, yeah. Not immediately. Okay. After this Damn. scene, you will, but not immediately. <clears throat> oh boy. Oh, I pass. Oh, good. I'm nice and hungry to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. This is going to be amazing. I, I just to say, I'm not engaging in this conversation until Gareth has gone home or has like left yeah. for the evening. Yeah, yeah I, that is exactly. Yeah. I, I, I would wake up and immediately, before even shaving, now, uh, shaving or anything, I would go to Gareth's room and make arrangements for him to be taken to wherever he pleases. As staying here is not an option. Uh, yeah, well, he will evening. tell you that he needs to go and report to the knights. So he will be being sent. He will he will get transport to go there because he has I to will, tell them what he saw. I will just check if he's okay in the in the not in the morning, you know, in the evening when we get up. Um, uh, he is. But I'll stay far away from him. I'll check he's okay, like from the door. Yeah. Uh, just as a quick check, did you you said you were very hungry, Velvet? How hungry are you? Oh, I'm I'm hungry three. Oh, okay. It's, it's okay, yeah. It's fair to say Gareth seems quite keen to get out of here, um, but he will politely answer your requests. But he answers them in the manner of a man that is slightly nervous of offending his hosts, um, okay. and he will yeah he will happily accept transport to take him elsewhere, okay. um, and he will go. Um, and he will let you, you know, he will say that he will report that you did your duty and so forth and protected him. And he will leave. And you're all happy with that? Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyone and that then is... I, I... Sorry? Go uh, I was going to say, Velvet, to you in particular, his relief when he finally, like, leaves through the door is palpable. Okay. He, he kind of rushes out once his car has arrived okay i go from that interaction to the drink cabinet excellent yeah uh, 
You will find Theodore there. Then I don't go to the drink cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I kind of get as far as well, that. When, when you're coming your way. Yeah, I'm coming towards you. It was like, um, I believe we need to have a conversation, Silas, you and I. Wait a minute, Sil wait a minute, wait a minute. What about me? You and I need to have a conversation. Silas, you and I. Yeah, but first there's, well, there's something I got to tell you. And I'm sure you, you think I know. This is difficult, Felvin. This is a very difficult conversation to have. I would rather have it only once. And then you and I can discuss things in private. But there's something you and Silas need to know. All right. All right. Say so what you gotta me... say and then we'll and then we'll talk. Let me go get him. And then I just go and get Silas. So the three of you are gathered together in the haven. Probably probably in the in the conference room. Yeah. And Silas is still captain more. No, this is likely to happen in the in the bar. Yeah, in the, in the, which is in the living room, isn't it? I think the living room. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Oh, do we have? Do we still have visitors or or the like other no, than Adam? Right. No, no Adam's, Adam's the not only there. the only yeah. one in residence. Brick and Soap are not here at the moment. Uh, okay. Adam lives here though. Yes, Adam is. Well, he's living here at the moment, so yes. Yeah. So, so he's living here for good. I'm yeah. Yeah, well So Adam is in the building, as are some of course your security people, but they're not here in this room. It's just the three of yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, Cyrus is probably a bit away from away from group. He is leaning on the claymore just as as, as he's seen um Sir James lean. Okay. And his eyes are his eyes are just on Theo. I'm there is distance between Velvet and Theo. Um, I, I imagine he's probably will probably look to put Silas between him and Theo. So there's something you both need to know. It became apparent last night. Um, it's something I've kept from you and everybody else. Ever since I found out, which is to say, after my embrace, I am um... when I was taken to Oxfordshire, as you know, I was a ghoul of the Ventrue and, um, And I always thought that I was just going from gold to death of metal. Then I found out the truth. And the reason I have not told you what the truth is, because for anyone else to know, 
represents mortal danger for me, my bloodline, and especially Miyuki. Meliora, Isabel, and I would be definitely put to final death should the truth of this leave this room. And Miyuki will be discarded immediately without a second thought. So I would appreciate that regardless of your personal feelings on the matter and how you feel about me for this, understand how delicate the situation is. Meliore is not the child of Sir Enolf von Bassenheim. Well, who, who is she the child of then? We do not know. She was forcibly embraced. And, um, Sir Enolf took her and Isabel under his care and has been taking care of them ever since. Lying to the other Knights of Oxfordshire about their origin so their lives would be spared. Why, why would he do that? Guess. It doesn't seem like a real charitable guy to me. Well, this was some decades ago, perhaps. Even longer. And, um... And one of the reasons he looks the way he looks to you as a hardly charitable, charitable guy, perhaps it's related to how conflicted he must feel about what he's doing and how duplicitous this all is. Do you see where I'm going with this? Uh, sort of. Uh... If he is found out, he will be put to final death as well. Yes, everybody. Well, he's just rocketed up in my estimation. But this is not the end of it, right? That's not... No. No, it isn't. You... Cleverly figure it out. Because it would your reflection. It would have been really easy for Enol to do this with pretty much anyone else. Of any bloodline even. Take a Malkavian in your ranks and instead of faking them being your child, you'd probably talk to Sir Gansuk, right? And had we been Toriador then the line of Thomas Delamore could have been invoked. However, we are not any, we do not belong to any of the clans of the Camarilla. Size script titans on the label. <laughs> Even though I have spent my whole on life amongst the Camarilla, especially the Camarilla of Oxfordshire. I am La Sombra. 
and the shadows live within me. Was it you, Meliore? Is Takahisa's man? Yes. It was my shadow and her mastery over it who managed to help defeat him. That's why you didn't want me causing trouble when we first met? No. I didn't want you causing trouble because you were a member of my coterie. When we met, I didn't know. I thought it was Ventru. When we did our trial to earn our coin for the Southern Gatekeeper, I believed myself to be Ventru. When we presented ourselves and gave our oaths, I gave my oath as a Ventru. It was a necessary precaution that Meliore and Isabel had to go through. Had I not been accepted, they couldn't risk me exposing them. So, being a La Sombra, is there anything else other than Mastery of the Shadows that you can do? It is. I know very little about my clan. Very little. Actually, I know more about my clan from the time I spent fighting against it in Tokyo than what Meliore or Isabel could teach me because they have also been separated from the clan ever since the inception. Ever since they could. Ever since Meliore could escape. Ever since Enolf took them under his wing. But Drogo didn't give a good goddamn about the Camarilla. Why not no. tell him the truth? Because the La Sombra have been associated with this Sabbat for centuries. It would have been really easy for anyone to say they're not tr to be trusted. Their blood cannot be trusted. But if you ask me, even though I am La Sombra, I think it's the fact that Meliore, Isabel, and myself are refugees after a fashion. It's the main reason that we are such a tightly knit bloodline. We are different from the rest of the venture, even though we mingle with them and spend every waking moment. We live the venture. Deviant. No, it might not be deviant, but it is full of deviants. Is that what I am to you? No, no, it's not what you are. I mean, it is for sure the case that my actual blood has a far greater Sorry, degree one of deviants. Can you just. My bad, my bad. Carry on. It is for sure the case that my 
actual bloodline has a far greater degree of deviance and psychopathy in it than any of yours. So, so that, so no, I don't think that about you. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm shocked. That's all. My clan does and not I'm angry you. because you're. Your argument in your context is so fucking reasonable. Just. I'm sorry, Velvet. I. So now I can't even be mad at you. Because it's like we're. It's like we've been in the same situation this whole damn time. Yes. Except I poured my heart out to you and you didn't do that to me. But you do understand why I couldn't. Not even Miyuki knows. Not even her. She cannot know, Velvet. She cannot know what... She doesn't know I'm in the Sombra. She still believes she's the ghoul of Aventru. What is your plan? I mean... Sorry. No one can know. And no one better than you, Ovid. You you do know how it feels and how it is to be... To be unable to share those you love who you truly are. That's why I always say, my clan does not define me, my actions do. I am the same Theodore Penn. I'm not even using an alias for crying out loud. Theodore was the name I was given at birth and I stopped using it in 1916. When I took my brother's name so I could join the military before being 18. And I became Clarence Penn, Ken, many names. And now, for once, in over a century, I can go back to be Theodore. And I have found friends, two true friends, allies, that will have my back no matter what. And, and they can be safe in the knowledge that I will have theirs. And have the love of my life by my side. But I cannot, I cannot say anything about who I am. It cannot be known. You know, this this is the problem that we should have been solving the last 10 years. You know I agree with you. You know that everything about what you're saying makes sense to me. And... Velvet, only the prince could potentially just wave this away. Yeah, there's an, an opening out there, but uh, unless you fancy risking... Well, let's just put Enolf in it, right? Enolf is... He can then solve this problem. He's too far gone, Velvet. His mind is too far gone, and the rest of the knights know it. No one will support him. You know what? He only needs to be prince long enough to do this, and then it doesn't matter if somebody kills him. That's a bonus, in my opinion. This... There has got to be a way to overcome this. There's got to be. I know exactly what you mean. Of course I do. I, the only, the only leverage I have for this is a major boon I, I have, I hold over Sir Anulf. I don't have <clears throat> enough of political pool with the rest of the knights other than kind word that Sir William and I have exchanged throughout the years, but I doubt that would be enough for him to overlook the fact that I have been inviting him twice a year for tea ceremonies while I lie to his face about being a Ventru. You know what? I wouldn't worry too much about that. People think lying is bad, but I think they got it wrong. 
it's absolutely necessary a lot of the time. It's often the best ethical outcome. Just we, we need to do something about this. We need to, I, I don't mean right now, but now that we know this, we can develop a strategy. One thing we have on our side is time, Theo. So we might not have control now over who becomes prince, but if it matters to us who is prince in the long term, then we can start that piece of work now. I beg to differ on that last bit, Velvet. Why do you, you think? Why do you think I've been working so hard to mold the political climate of the city with your help and Silas? If not only to get rid of Helena, whom I generally believed was not fit to rule, but also to get everybody on board so we could pick a good prince that could lead us away from all the bad things that happened. But before we go into that, Silas, out of everything I've said, what are your thoughts? Silas' so group just spins on the, on the claymore. Picks up and just shoves the tip into the floor, so it stands on its own. Seriously, man, that is expensive flooring. Oh, fix it. I want to be so fucking mad at you, Theo. And I'm fucking hungry right now. I want to be so fucking mad at you, but I get it. Every fucking word you said, I get it. And it's a whole, a whole load of shit we got. Because not only we have, not only with all this, all this, we got we, it just we got those the hunting us now as well. And I, the political landscape is, is sliding because we, we're gonna have, we're likely gonna have people. Well, we may not, but we we may have uh, those tr others trying to come in from from Reading, because. There's, there's going to be a fucking exodus from Reading. I don't, I don't get it. Why didn't, why didn't you, why didn't you just help Helena when she asked you? Then she'd be alive and she'd owe you a favor and she'd be the goddamn prince. Because I could not believe in Helena's word. She was, she was trying to become the prince because she's trying to fucking run from Reading. Well, that might well, well that might well be the case. I trust but, on a desperate person even more. They are willing exactly. to say anything to save their hide. That but, doesn't mean that they will deliver. Velvet, I cannot risk it. Because if I, if I, if he owes me a favor and I try to cash it in, she can backhandedly say, you know what, by the way, the La Sombra are allowed. And my secret would be out there and anyone could go and get me for it. I cannot, like, if, if we are ever to be known as, a, as an individual clan, a separate from the Sabad, but also separate from the Ventru, it has to be in a climate that will allow no retribution to be taken. It makes no sense for everybody to know, for everybody to know and then us being killed in the shadows. It has to be your clan that is core of founding the new Oxfordshire. 
it has to be you or or one of the three of you that does something that fits the the parameters of what is necessary to become a knight because that what? here is that here is more important than your clan right why do you think i was so frustrated last night i thought by by killing the bowman i would get a shot i would get the renown I just made him flee. That is not enough. That wasn't you that made him flee, Theo. I... I think I told you that when Drogo was slain, somebody mm -hmm. snapped inside me. I was able to bring to the fore willingly last night, as I did. In the battle against, oh, in the battle against fucking Ducky, he's the minions. Motherfucker. Um, Cyrus is pa Cyrus is pacing at this point. So I understand that by telling you this, I put you at risk now. Mm. That is and one of the many issues, and one of the many reasons I didn't do it until tonight. That's not an issue. And I'm also aware that. As my bloodline is a founding bloodline of Oxfordshire, if it is found out, then it will be expected that I kill you. Yes. You know what, Sauce? That is not going to happen. So don't worry yourself. Don't worry about it, though. But there will be a line for our heads. Hmm. Well, you know what, Sauce? If you're the one that comes on that day, it'll have to be the two of us you kill. So just bear that in mind. That's all I'm saying. At that point, Cyrus does start chuckling because he knows full. <laughs> There's nothing that we can do. Listen, I have. This feels both troubling, but also deeply liberating. I know that feeling well. Now, I guess we'll just have to look and see, wait and see what the the Knights of Oxfordshire mirror make of Helena's failure. They will surely want our presence tonight so we can recount. We will fix this. See ya. I promise you that. It might not be tonight, but we will work it out. Thank you, brother. Then... I know you two are far more outliers than I am. But I'm going to sue make a suggestion that we have absolutely no secrets between the three of us. This to go forward. Absolutely none. The other steps towards Silas and just extends his hand. Well, uh, wait a minute. I can't... If we're not having any secrets between us, then um, I can't... I can't shake your hand and, and, right at this moment in time. So... But that is... I'm not asking. I'm not asking right. you to do it, Velvet. Don't worry about it. Well... This is the condition Silas is putting on me, and I'm agreeing. No more secrets from tonight on. 
at least not between you and me. And you, when, whenever you feel comfortable that way, I will imagine, I would like to think that there is a point in the future where there will be absolutely no lies between the two of us. It is not, it's not, it's not about trust. I know, I know. The fact that I didn't tell you this was not about trust either. I understand. I truly do. All right. So the two of you shake hands. Yeah, Sias works together, so he'll grab the wrist. Okay. As I've seen, like, as of course. It was all just a powerful shake. Is that probably dwarfing? Yeah, it doesn't matter. So you shake hands, and indeed, as you've suggested, you do have to go back and report, which we will not play as a scene. But suffice it to say, the mood of the knights, who of course have also heard from the boon keeper, is that a trial was undertaken and it was failed. And they're not particularly surprised to hear this. One might say some seem vaguely pleased to hear it. Um, but that seems in some ways to settle that. And Oxfordshire goes into an oddly quiet time. You'll be aware, some of you who are kind of plugged into the politics, that there are various discussions going on behind closed doors. There is a sort of waiting game, wondering if anyone else will be foisted upon the city or will turn up trying to claim dominion. But certainly for the next few weeks that start to spin forward, no one does. You will be aware that, of course, it wasn't just Helena who was going to be trying to get into Oxfordshire. It was also uh, other kindred from Reading. However, when Helena fails her trial, the other kindred from Reading, with very few exceptions, do not um, push to become members of the domain. Uh, one of the only exceptions to that is Brona Hughes. Um, who will commence that path into getting in. Can I support that? You certainly can. You certainly okay. can. Now, it's oh, worth yeah, saying that friend. some of you have some people you want to speak to that is going to kind of take place at, at various points kind of over the next few months in some cases. So I want to spin forward to those, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of a feel. There is one other major event that does occur, kind of outside of Oxfordshire, but the ripples of it will hit the city. And that is that Clan Bruya and Clan Gangrel declare themselves Anarch and no longer part of the Camarilla. And this causes a schism within those clans, some of which stay within the Camarilla and some which don't. Um, of course, Oxfordshire is still currently without a prince, which also makes things very complicated. Um, from the outside, in some ways, very little changes. The major difference is um, none of the Bruya declare themselves, unless Silas is going to surprise me, uh, as Anarch <laughs> at this point. Um, and the only gangrel that does is the Northern Gatekeeper. But in Oxfordshire terms, if you're a citizen of Oxfordshire, that is way more important than whether you're part of the Camarilla or the Anarchs. And so providing she does her duty, at least until there is a Camarilla prince in charge, nobody makes a big fuss about it. Um, 
But Velvet, you will become aware that there are Anarchs in the city. Amongst them is Brick and Broner, and they will be taking up residence in the north. Um, but okay. they continue to serve the city as is. It's an odd thing because most people don't comment on it, but those who do care about such politics, it does become a very quiet issue behind the scenes. However, okay. for you, your duties carry on pretty much as was. So I want to spin forward to a few scenes. Um, first one is going to be a few months down the line. So coming up right at the end of the year um, and will be between Adam and Velvet. Because Velvet, okay. my understanding is, is that you have been deliberately not drinking Adam's sweet, yes. sweet blood. And because well, you are, drink mine, and because yeah. you are obviously cruel, you're not letting him drink yours either, <laughs> despite the fact yeah. he's very keen to do so. Yes. And over this period of time, that that kind of drive, that pull of the blood gets weaker. And there comes a night where to Velvet you feel as if it is no longer a massive deal. The memories of it, however, remain vivid. The taste of it, though it's hard to recall in clarity, you can recall that the experience was exquisite, especially in those moments where he fed from you at the same time, when you got the rush of his blood at the same time as the experience of his kiss. That is something that's very hard to shake off from your mind. But in terms of that supernatural pull, that need to have his approval, that need to, for him to be happy, that has settled into what might be an ordinary set of emotions for a married couple. Okay. Still relatively early in their marriage. Well, for vampires, for sure. Yes, indeed. Um, so, um, okay. I, so I understand you want to talk to Adam. So where would you yes. like this to happen? It can be in a place of your choosing. Well, if we still live in the, the haven, which I assume we do. I assume you do too. Um, probably if we put Barnaby out of the flat. Yeah, um, Barnaby then, is, uh, is still pastured with his mother. Yeah. So this is probably in our bedroom. So, uh, so I'll, I'll go, I'll find him, or I'll, I'll ask to talk to him. Yeah, I mean, he will, of course, talk to him. Um, and I'll say, you remember uh, back when I first told you that uh, that I wanted to to stop sharing blood with you. I told you that I thought would change how we felt. Yes, I, re I remember, of course I remember. I, I, I didn't fully agree with you, but I, I remember and, I, and I've, I've stuck to what you asked. How do you feel about it now? Well. You feel different? I suppose it's like anything you haven't done in a while. It doesn't, it's harder to remember. 
I feel sad that we're not close in that way anymore. But I, I don't want to to force it on you if you if you don't want us to. What I wanted was for us to decide whether to do this without the influence of that pull. I, and I don't, sorry. I don't, f I don't feel any, any different. Velvet, I, I just, I don't need the blood to want to be with you. I never did. You're not a hundred percent sure that's true, Velvet. Like it's pretty <laughs> convincing, but it's not. Okay. Doesn't land I'll quite as quite as well as you think it should. I'll say um. No, I didn't need it either. But it created a different kind of drive. I've never experienced anything like it. I mean, before or since. I came to talk to you because I... I feel differently. It's not... I love you, of course. I love you with all my heart, but there is a... There is not the urgency of that need anymore. And I, I, I wanted us to decide together whether that is something that we want back or whether it's it's for the best that is gone. But if you don't feel that difference, then I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to think about that. What if, what if we had a compromise? What if, what if we stay as we are, but maybe on our anniversary, we we do it then, just once a year. I, I don't see, I know you, you don't want it to define us, but I, I don't see why we can't at least share that together in the future. I don't, I don't want to do anything that puts us in danger. Last time it got out of control and it put us in danger. But did it? I thought the only danger came from Wallace and Seth. Well, that was part of their beef, Adam. He figured that out. But who care? I don't care what they think, what they judge. I, I care about what you think, Velvet. I only care about them when they're here, and, and they're not here anymore, are they? No, no, they're not here. Then, then we're free, Just, aren't we? We are, but... Free to do whatever we want. And then he'll kiss you, to make the point. <laughs>
Well, that rather makes the point. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I will kiss him back. He seems pleased and... with this development. Uh, and I will, I'll say, all right. It's, um, it's a good compromise. And it's, it, it should be, it should be safe. He'll, uh, smile at you and say, We're always safe when we're together. It's other people that make us unsafe. It's all I've ever wanted. It was for us to be left alone. That's, that's why I'm nervous. I don't want to do anything that, that might upset that. We have that now, right? Nobody... Nobody's bothered. And, you know, I, 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 um, I wanted, I wanted to ask you something else. Yes. You know, all of this, all the trouble that we've, that we've had in our life together, it's all been because of how this world works. It's all been... It's all been because they have all of the power and they have all of the resources and they are going to live forever so there is nothing for us. There's no place for us. And I don't think, Adam, that I can just stand by and, and let that happen anymore. Well, now, now you're making me nervous. What are you thinking of doing? You know, there are, there are a lot of people who agreed with this point of view. They're just not, you know, they're not in the camera. Oh, you're, you're talking about Jasmine Adam. and, and her move. Right. But Adam, you've, you've lectured your whole life in business ethics, right? You understand that there is no equity here. There is no parity, and there's never going to be. Not unless some people stand up and say something about it. And if she is doing that, and I have to be, other people... I have to be careful, Velvet, because, because my sire is under Rafe's protection, and, and Rafe is strongly in support of the Camarilla. If I openly support the Anarchs, I don't know what he would do. Huh. I'm not sure what he would do if you openly supported the Anarchs. I don't know about Meliore or Isabel. They've never been vocal one way or the other. They always seem more Oxford-focused like most people. But, but so Rafe, I know Sir Enolf is very opposed to the Sabbat, but I don't think he 
I don't think he cares much for the Camarilla. But, but Sir Rafe, he, he does. I know that. Of course they care, Adam. It's their power structure, right? If they don't have that, there isn't anything to... Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not... If, if, you, if you want to... If you want to do this... I mean, it would worry me, but I, I'd stand by you. But I don't think I'd dare declare myself. I think it would put me and my sire in, in jeopardy. All right. I understand. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, no, don't be sorry. It, if, if I could, I would. It, it's just him. I just... I know what I he's understand. like. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything that puts you in danger. And if this, if you're right about Rafe, it just, it means I, uh, I need a different approach, one that's not a public, public one. Yes, I, I think, I think we just be careful so we can enjoy this a bit longer. All a right. lot longer. Forever. 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 You're going nowhere. I'm going nowhere, Velvet. All right. So I'll I think I'll... That. Oh, sorry, yes. did you want to... Oh, well, I was just going to kiss him. Sure. So we will leave these two yeah. kissing. Um, I'm going to move to a very brief break. Obviously, we've lost a bit of time this session due to technical excitements. Um, but I do want to have a very brief break. And before we kind of switch out, there are a couple of things to say so i'm gonna pass over to carlos briefly so yeah i just wanted to give a massive shout out to everybody working behind the scenes of the blood on the severn pre-production and uh there are some exciting exciting developments and we're doing everything in our power to bring the best to all of you so Thanks to the team. You rock. You're amazing. I don't deserve you, but please don't leave me. <laughs> Love you. You are all amazing. Yeah. They, they are. They are. So uh, we have a couple of giveaways to discuss. Uh, one of which is, of course, the Herald's coin. Some might say the very coin that Helena has not earned. Which looks <laughs> a lot like this. Um, so obviously to win it, you just have to support us. But if you hang you around to, to the end of this episode and you're one of our supporters, you will find out if you win. We also have a giveaway for these fabulous stickers created ooh, ooh, by ooh. the lovely Cedar. And if yeah, you would so like cool. to win these, you have to answer a question if you're watching us live. And then the it's answers will be sorted out by our algorithm and then I will announce the winner of that also at the end of the episode. I wonder so if the went for my question, question this week is, if Mitch was embraced by a vampire, <laughs> what clan would that vampire be? <laughs> so if Mitch was embraced by a vampire, what clan would I mean, that vampire be? That was not the question I proposed. Is no, there was, right there was a separate question proposed. There's only one right answer to this, people. You know? yes. I tell you what, we'll put the other question to chat, but it's not a prize-winning one. But if you've got a funny answer, I'd obviously like to hear it. Uh, and that question, Carlos wanted us to ask, who's the daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Obviously. That's the I decided that I would ask the other question instead, because 
fickle. You're boring. Fickle. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, so yes, we at the end of the episode will announce the winners and also sob over our microphones and that kind of business. Um, but we will do that at the end. So I'm going to take a short break to be back by ten past nine. I'm going to endeavour to finish as close to ten as I can, but I make no promises because this is the last episode, so we might run slightly over. Apologies <laughs> for that. Um, but yes, please do join us at ten past nine for the second and last half of Blood on the Tamases. Two of season three, episode 10 of Blood on the Tamases. Now, just before we jump back into play, there is one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which is, although this is the kind of conclusion of the Tamases Chronicle, it is not quite the end. So next week, uh, we're gonna do a special uh, episode, which is gonna be, um, because it doesn't yet have a source, super good title, it's going to be Mitch and Me in the House. And um, we are going to be doing a sort of, a kind of a, a conversation really, because there have been two storytellers involved in this. Obviously me that you see, but also behind the scenes, lurking like a well-groomed shadow is Mitch. Next week, uh, we are going to have a special interactive session where Mitch and I will be here talking about Chronicle, um, answering any questions that you have, uh, and also doing a few kind of fun things as we go. So although this is the last episode tonight, uh, we will have a little bit of Tamasee's love left for you next week. So do please join us for that. So we had just left um, Velvet and Adam in a relatively sweet, romantic position. And we're going to jump over. So these are these scenes are not happening of the, in the same night. They're just kind of happening roughly in the same time period at the end of this year, which is 2012. Uh, so the uh, the next scene I want to jump to is a scene between Silas and Jenny. Now the last time that Silas and Jenny had met, Silas offered her a two options, I believe, that were available to her. She could kind of say goodbye to him all over again, or she could give up everything to join him in this somewhat vague proposition that he had put forward. And she said she wanted more time. Um, but yes, there will come a point where you will meet again. Uh, is Silas trying to arrange that anywhere in particular? I, uh, again, uh, it's, it, it's going to be in somewhere between uh between oxford and london uh likely no with with, with no one around so there's like no one within like it's basically it's almost like in the middle of nowhere so you want to have it somewhere private when you say in the middle do you mean like you're going to meet her outside in the field or do you mean you're going to book a room somewhere or what what's sort of outside, outside in the field okay okay so it's fair to say jenny looks a little bit like unsettled by the fact you're meeting outside in a field in the middle of the night. Um, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but she will join you. She will look a bit cold. Um, and she will have a torch. Um, she looks vaguely dressed for the weather, but not brilliantly dressed. Um, and she will kind of peer into the darkness as you make your way over to her. She says, Silas? Silas, is that you? I'm here. 
I think she looks around. I thought maybe you were joking. No. So, I, I've got some questions for you. You said, you said last time we spoke that, that you're not, you're not the way you used to be. No. You said, you said that your body doesn't, well, you said that things don't hurt you as much as they used to. No. And, and you said, well, that you're not getting old the way the rest of us are. No. If I come with you, will that be true for me as well? Not in the same way as I am, because there are things that will need to be put into motion that I can't put in until you're ready. But they and they will take time. How but, long? Uh, we're talking a decade, but during that time, a you decade? Will not age. No, that's no good, Silas. I can't. Do you, do you will not age that time? Wait, it's... wait, 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 wait. I won't age during that no. time. No. Silas, you could, you could be a million, you could be a trillionaire. You could, I mean, people would pay anything for this. Anything. Silas pulls out a photo. That's what they send after us, and shows the photo of the harpoon weapon. She looks alarmed. They won't, they won't pay for it. They'll take, take us. You're telling me that you have a way to make it that I won't age? Yes. F for how long? I mean, how long do you not age for? Forever. She looks at you for a long time like she's trying to see if you're just winding her up or something. I assume you are trying to be persuasive. Are you using presence or are you just... Um, so, uh, if, if she's in looking confused by that, as us will go... Also, other things are capable. Then he's going to soaringly over, do a couple of... It's, it's very obvious, soaring a few flips and land directly behind her. Okay. So you leap superhumanly high into... You sail over her head, vaulting, almost as if you were back in one of your TV shows, to land behind her, and she jumps and spins around and is, looks amazed. She says, this is, in, this is incredible. H hang on, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. She goes and shines her torch where you were standing, and she puts her boot on the grass, like she's checking to see if there's anything there. And then she goes over to where you're standing and like shines her torch there. She says, this is real, isn't it? This isn't special effects. No, this is no special, there's no special effects. She looks thoughtful for a long time. Okay. So you're, you're saying 
that if I go with you, I won't age anymore and I'll be able... She looks up and then looks down at you again. I'll be able time. To, to do things like that. In time. She may do other things. Okay. Okay. I'm in. I, I, I want... I want to make sure it's really true, but I'm in. Sounds good. Um, just so you're aware of how this started with me. You remember? Do you remember Robert Sherman? She kind of blinks a few times because says, "Yeah, of course I remember him." You remember when I saved him from that car wreck? Yeah, I remember. It was all over the papers at the time. That was the first time that I met the one who changed me. Whilst I was recovering in the hospital. So there's someone else out there who, who isn't getting older either? There are, there are many others. That's why I said when I showed you that photo that they hunt us. There are many more. Much oh. older. Much more powerful. This is like proper conspiracy theory, you know? It is. So. <coughs> come closer. Sure, come closer. There's that. See these teeth here? Check them. Okay, she will examine. She'll look a bit puzzled, but she'll shine the light on your mouth and she'll lean and look. Touch him. Gone. You sure? Okay. Yep. She'll touch your teeth. So you are sure? You'll feel her fingers on your teeth. Now, I'm assuming that Silas, because obviously this is forward ahead in time, I'm assuming Silas is well fed before he came out for this. Oh, he's very well fed. So you don't, you know, you're completely in control of yourself. But to have yeah. mortal blood basically a membrane of skin away from your fangs you know it still tickles like there's still that urge but you you can handle it but yes yeah, she fills your teeth so so there's nothing there she says well there are, there are teeth there fangs slowly lower she will of course freak out and jump back she goes oh shit she looks very very alarmed and she backs away quite significantly from you. And they slowly withdraw. She, uh... She says, is... Is that why you don't age? Yes. Is that what you you do to me? I would never feed on you, not unless you ask me to. She uh, raises her eyebrows. I I don't know, Silas. I don't know what to say. Do you? Is it a good life? 
it's a massive change what before, but I I've been the protector of a city. Do you think I would like it? I certainly think you would uh You would have pull in arrows that I could not. You could swing many things that I can't. Okay. Okay. <coughs> I'm interested. I need, I will need permission from those stronger than me to full to do this full transformation so it's a different kind of path that you would have to take on this tonight well tell me what do you mean i have to just wait you will have to drink from me drink what there's a long pause and then she goes oh shit really <laughs> so as well from, from, from his holsters uh, flick out one of the uh, one of the concealed blades he keeps and spins it around so he's holding the blade so when you flick out the knife she again jerks in surprise she's not used to people whipping knives out around her um but yes, you have the knife. I'm going to offer the hilt to her. She says, you want me to cut you? I don't, I don't know, Silas. That, that seems wrong. Do you want me to do the... It won't hurt. I've had a sword that goes straight through my chest, Jenny. A little cut's not going to hurt. Okay. So she'll take the knife. Tell her who did that to you. She will cut your arm. Mm. And she will be shining the torch on it and looking very puzzled because, of course, the blood doesn't gush from the wound. Unless, have you got Blush of Life up, actually? I assume you do. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about browsing for it. Uh, so we were in a scene with Silas and Jenny, and um, Silas had just fed her some of his blood. And I was just saying... Uh, Silas, it's your intention to to turn her into a ghoul over the coming yes. nights. Now you will know you do not need permission from anyone to do this, but you will also know that she is your responsibility. So should she breach the masquerade or in other ways embarrass anybody, then it's up, it'll be on your head. Um, so it's a it's a it's a, as she moves away, Silas will heal the wound. Oh, so she can see it. Yeah. So she will be shocked, but you will notice there is a difference in her already. Um, in that she is shocked, but she is also intrigued. She shines the light and leans in and watches as your flesh heals and looks amazed. But you can see her mind is already starting to kind of work out the possibilities. Um, and she will, you know stay with you um, for, for for however long you want and so basically just 
tell her the whole the whole truth from the story from start to end. And he's he's not he's, he won't like uh, fill in like uh, it's from hit from his arc. He's not going to fill all like all the capabilities of the yeah. Velvet and all that. But he's just here. It's kind of like his story. So how it's you begin to tell her how deep the rabbit hole goes, and over subsequent nights and weeks, you will give her your blood again. And there will come a time where the bond between you will form. And of course, each time you give her your blood, she becomes that little bit less freaked out about everything and begins to get more excited about this kind of potential future life. And she has many ideas about possibilities. It also, she thinks it will extend her career by some years, which she's very excited about. So, yeah, so it's a very common that you need to start thinking about moving on, moving on, just as Finn was. She will be, of course, in agreement with you. In fact, you'll find she agrees with you a lot, but she will be saying, yeah, it's but great, I mean, obviously I can do a few years, right? Um, so it's just worth saying that the point at which you bond her fully to yourself and you turn her into a ghoul, um, there will be an element to which Silas has misgivings on a deep level, even if he doesn't on another level. Uh, and you will take a number of stains for this. Um, because yep. you are effectively corrupting your touchstone. Uh, so you will take six stains. Oh. You might ask why, and it's because your touchstone represents the ideal of never betraying a friend. And mm -hmm. when, you, when you corrupt their soul as their friend... Oh my god. Um, that's a pretty big deal. Oh my god. Yep. Incidentally, you get oh stains for ghouling someone at the best of times. But ghouling your touchstone, and also where it's a friend-related one, I'm not sure you can corrupt a soul without it being betrayal. You know, that's kind of my take on it. Um, so that will happen. Um, that's peak vampiric behaviour, though. Silas. Oh, I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> I love it as vampiric behaviour. It's brilliant. And while Silas will have misgivings, you do then have the advantage that Jenny becomes another part of your life again. And she also is very much on your side. And the good thing about Jenny is she's quite socially able. She's oh, yeah. quick on the uptake, um, and she's good at taking on different roles as required. So she has many, many applications as a ghoul, which Silas will get to enjoy in future years. So I want to jump to uh, another scene which happens in the future, will happen actually in 2013. Um, and this, we, we have a sort of um, a blood-themed set of epilogue scenes going on at the moment. This scene is around Theodore. Now, over several months, Theodore has been slowly making it that instead of him giving his blood to Miyuki, different kindred have been doing that. And the effect of this is, of course, she still enjoys the benefits of being a ghoul. She's not aging. She can still recover from injuries much more quickly. But she is not bound to the way, in the way that she was, to Theodore. And it takes a long time because the bond between them was long and deep. Uh, however, there will come a point where Theodore will feel that it is safe to speak to her once more. So my question to you, as I ask the others, is where would you like this scene to take place, Theodore? Because you very much have control over that. In um, 
in our personal haven, in our castle. In okay, in in our house. Yes, not Miners. in the group haven, but in your secret little haven, your little castle for castle. two. Okay, and I show up with with flowers and strawberries. You are armed and ready for this. I mean, I'm following the, the advice of the best wingman ever, my friend Volbet. Got it. Um, so, Muki, of course, will greet you and will be her usual, perfectly mannered self. She will be delighted by the flowers and the strawberries. Um, but she knows you well enough to know that there is something in this meeting. And she knows, of course, that she's been feeling differently for a time. She doesn't say anything about it. She just sits with you and waits, you know, for you to be ready for whatever it is you want to do. Hi, Miyuki. Ken-san. How have you been feeling? She says, I am, I am well, Ken-san. I am, I am glad to be in our home again. It is much nicer here. And and these flowers are lovely. And, and I'm glad that that we are free of Naoto. Forever. Yes, indeed for good. I I'm also glad that I have been able to fulfill in a promise I made to you over 12 years ago. As am I, Kensan. As am I. Kiss. Just want to know how do you feel about us, about everything, about this life, about the way I have treated you, I've done my best. And you know full well my feelings for you, but... But we agreed that we would have these conversations when you're not on my blood. And you can speak freely and be yourself. You have been very kind to me over the years. I know that it does not always have to be that way. You know that, too. But you have been kind and you have cared for me when you did not have to. And I know it was not easy to bring us to this point. And I recognize the hard work that you have done to make this so. Do you remember when we both used to serve. You, yes. Lord Amargo, and me, Naoto. And there were many difficult times I remember from those days. But I also remember... I remember the mornings, the dawn, when it was just us. When you would creep in like a thief. And, and we would, we would forget them for a time. 
before breakfast even, before, before we would begin our day, we would have time when it was just us. And we had our true faces. I know that those were difficult times, but we were equal in those times. And I miss them. I miss them too. And now we're truly free. Free from them. I would like it if one day we could be equals again. Is that your desire? Yes, but... But I have a question. Kenta. Yes. Ask. You... I know that when you were made kindred, it changed you. And sometimes I am scared by that change. I'm ashamed to say so. No, don't be. It is one of the reasons, Miyuki, that feels unnerving it's because for a very long time I had to struggle myself to come to terms with who I really am. There are many things of our world that I have to keep from you, to keep you safe. Some because I must, most because I want to keep you safe. Because you're you're everything to me. And it was not until recently that I came to terms with who I am, with what I am. So when you compliment her in that way, she kind of averts her face a little bit from the compliment, um, but smiles, you catch the smile from it. Um, and then she looks back at you and says, sometimes, it seems as if something is lost when you are elevated. Yes. And I, I worry what I would lose if you elevated me. Well, the embrace provides many benefits. It's only logical that there is a price to pay. And I understand that your question must be, is it too high a price? She nods. Or are you, are you willing to pay it? To be elevated is to have the benefit of time without the ties of the blood, with your own mind to keep. It also comes with 
power. Undoubtedly so. I believe I lost a small fraction of my soul. But it's not a part of my soul that I wanted to keep around me. It's that part that was still tormented by what happened in the concentration camp. It was the part of my soul who hated Naoto. It was the part of my soul who made me less. If I was elevated, could I let go of my, the part of my soul that hates Naoto and what was done to me? You will remember it. You will not forget it. And when I say I lost it, it's not that it departed. It is just a part of my soul that is there, lurking in the shadows, looking at me. But now I can look at it straight back in the eye. Sometimes it's taken a hold of me. You have seen me very few times, but you have seen me lose myself to the rage. She nods. There is, it's well hidden, but you know that it makes her nervous. That is present in all of us. But I've also been able to channel it. I could channel it to defeat Takahisa. I could channel it to scare Naoto as if he were living with P himself. One night that he asked, what kimono should he buy to give you when he brings you back to Japan? I just channeled, I just channeled that anger and let him have a good look at it. He never spoke of it again. I've been ashamed and at odds with that darkness within me. And that's why, why you feel it unnerving, because it is a, a darkness. And I've been shying away from it because I too was scared of it. But now I realize it is just a part of me that I was, that's always been there. And just, just as now I can do things I couldn't do with my mortal body, my emotions are also immortal. And I have to learn to deal with them, to live with them. Something that has not changed is my love for you. If only it has grown stronger and it has filled me with hope and joy to have this conversation and hear that you wish to become one of us. So you're not only free, but also we could be together as we once were. That is what I want. I want to be truly with you as an equal, Kenzo. You have never been less, no matter what the others say. She's kind of pleased by that comment, but in a, just that that's a nice thing to say rather than I completely buy if it. If not, I mean, Velvet is fully aware that I fear your wrath. Saruto Bi-chan. And I poke her in the little monkey. 
poke her in the nose. So she um, doesn't respond as she normally would. Normally she's very cute about this kind of thing. And, and it's kind of the thing, it's a little game you have together. But mm -hmm. she actually looks very serious um, and says, she says, I want you to be my equal. And, and if you fear my wrath, if you have made me wrathful, to really fear it. I have never feared for my body coming to harm. But make no mistake, Yuki. I am fearful of your wrath because it's my love, the one you hold in your hands. And that is more powerful than anyone can ever have over me. That's more power than Isabel or the prince when he was alive. And so it should be, she says, and then she'll boop you on the nose. As if to say, okay, all right. I will make my best to make you my true, truly my equal. But in order for that to happen, I, I, I cannot be the one who embraces you. Because if I am, then we for forever will be sire and child. If that is the connection you want us to have, to be connected at a deeper level where your blood flows through my veins after all the years I've had your blood, your blood on, in me, then I will agree. She takes all of that in um, and says, I think it would be good between us if if it were not one over the other. I would rather stand at your side. And you will. It'll take time. And I will need to talk to Isabel about this. We have time, Kensan. And I can be very patient. When I want to be. And at that, Theodore is going to approach her. He's going to cup her face in mm -hmm. his hands and says, I don't deserve you, but you already knew that. And I gave her a kiss. So, yes, uh, she will kiss you. Um, and it is a nice, kind of nice moment. Yeah. So I'm going to, like, pause that scene there um, and just move forward a little bit because there's a few other things I'd like to cover. As I say, this session might go slightly over 10, but uh, we'll see how we go. One of the things that will occur um, the f this kind of following year is there will be a court convened. Um, it is still Oxfordshire, I should say, has not yet chosen a new prince. You will be okay. aware that there are... Um, arrangements being made for Prince Drogo's to have, have like a proper service. Um, Silas, you will have heard rumors in this time that 
some of the Reading kindred, not the ones who settled in Oxfordshire, not the ones who've gone through the process, but those who are, shall we say, dwelling on the fringes, who have not yet found a home, have started to disappear. But this court has been convened by Sir Enolf. <coughs> and what will strike you when he calls this court is that he is dressed from head to toe in armour um, and that he will ride into court on a horse, which is pretty out there. It doesn't normally happen. What a way to make an entrance, right? So yeah, exactly. yeah, well, that's, that's a way to make a dramatic entrance. So he makes this entrance once people have assembled for the court and he doesn't ride right into the middle. He just kind of rides into the entrance way. Um, and essentially what he says is, says, my grandsire, Wallace, is dead to me. He says, and you, and he points his finger at Sir Rafe. He says, will battle for your honour outside now. Oh, I'm glad I came to court today. Fuck. And Rafe <laughs> says, sire, please, please let us. And he says, enough now. And Rafe leaves. And Sir Enolf turns his horse and goes outside. I go outside I, to watch this. Yeah. I hold Isabel's hand and go, what the fuck, in the most the other way. <clears throat> so this causes a great deal of excitement amongst the knights who will go out because they love a good duel. There is lots of gossip and discussion and confusion and things going on. But essentially, Enolf will very loudly say to the assembled, I gave Sir Rafer the greatest gift one can give and education and he repays me with treachery it was his desire to take my blood for himself and now if he wishes it so badly he will have it here or I will have his on this floor. So Rafe makes a, a kind of a half-hearted attempt to really like not have this jewel here and maybe we could talk about this somewhere else or maybe whatever and Enolf will have none of it. And what shortly follows is a joust. Ooh. Um, the joust is not long. <laughs> oh. Essentially what <laughs> happens is the two ride at each other at some speed. Rafe is not bad, you will note. He knows how to handle a horse. Indeed, you will know just how cool his horse is. Um, however, Sir Enolf's horse is not afraid of Rafe's horse, not even slightly. And although Rafe does strike Enolf true, the lance just simply shatters. Whereas Enolf's lance runs Rafe through and takes him off the horse. And as soon as he is unhorsed, Enolf will pull his own horse to a stop. He will get off the horse. He will loudly declare, says, this man is not a knight. He is not my child. He is a traitor. He says, does any contest this? And he looks around. Nobody, well, I'm assuming less Silas, Theodore, Velvet. 
Um, oh, fucking no. Nobody can test what? that. I have my pompons. Um, Team Annals, you know? So Rafe if is... He this is like a complete set for me, so I'm fine. So, yeah. um, Rafe, I don't want to lose my boon. Rafe meets Final Death that night. Fuck. Woohoo. Um, and then Ulf will just will say <laughs> a little bit later, um, it seems that line I have some questions over. He says, but he looks at Meliore. He says, I will give you more proper station in future. Meliore seems delighted. So there is one other thing. Obviously, players, if there is anything, I, I know some of your secondary scenes might be relevant here, but um, it's worth saying that Enolf will approach you, Velvet, that night before he leaves. Okay. Uh, he's still wearing I armor, but he's not him. Okay. He says, um, Velvet, I've been thinking yes, that my child and grandchild have failed me. But you have been true. Your advice has been good. And so I give you back the Riley family. They are yours to control. Volis did not deserve them. Thank you, sir. I'm, uh, I'm very grateful to you for that. I will have the... Perhaps the ghouls speak to you. And you may do with them as you see fit. But see that they are successful still. Hmm? I will do that, sir. I won't let you down. I know this, for you are driven by love. Love is greater than all. It isn't that, sir. And then he'll leave. He'll get on his horse and he'll fuck off. Unless anyone else <laughs> wants to talk to him. Not a fucking chance. Nope. So, um, Theodore is going to be doing all of his political movements to see who gets... Like, whomever sits at the prince's chair is the most likely to receive well the the news of being La Sombra or help with La Sombra. So he's just going to be in his maneuvering. So you will be aware that there is a build-up to some kind of announcement or something being said going on. Um, mm -hmm. And there seems like some kind of negotiation that is going on, principally between Sir Marta and Sir William. And that it's not yet reached a conclusion. You will also be... Um, aware that Sir James has kind of withdrawn from politics. Mm -hmm. um, and when Drogo's kind of ceremony has happened, the, the word kind of gets out that he has gone somewhere within Oxfordshire to sleep under the earth. But that, should Oxfordshire ever need him, he will return to deliver whatever needs delivering. It is uh, worth saying that another court eventually will convene. One which you think is to announce this kind of more momentous news of what is going to happen with the future of Oxfordshire. Um, 
Is there anything I should know before we jump into this? Have I made any leeway into either A, getting people on board for, well, on board, as on board as possible to get the political decision I meet, B, I will start investigating everything with the disappearances because I think it's a bowman. Sure. But that is for the future. Sure. So you will work on those investigations. You will, you, you do know you've had some success politically persuading things and you, you're feeling moderately confident about this. So this court eventually arrives and you are all kind of gathered together. And in some ways it is striking to you that many people of course are not here. The Venture in particular, I mean from when you very first came to Oxfordshire of course, the Venture in particular seemed much, much reduced. <coughs> Rafe, Seth, Wallace are gone. And, um, you know, that's quite a striking, a striking thing. And many other kindred have also left um, the city, you know, at various points. The Torador. Is, is Rupert effectively in charge of us now then? No. No, Meliore is. Oh, Meliore, excellent. That's much better. So Renolf is technically in charge, but, you know. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, Meliore On a day-to-day -day -day basis. She is the senior. Meliore runs who the glass. Is, yeah. Who is kind of proactive in things. Ventru. Ventru. So the Herald will, of course, open the court. And he says, Ah, Welcome to Oxfordshire <coughs> once more, all of you. There have been many comings and goings and changes, and as a result of this, there is some exciting news that I would share with you, as is my honour, for I will be remaining in this position as I have for many, many a year. First, then perhaps of most paramount importance, I would have you welcome our Prince William, child of Drogo. Yeah. It is fitting, is it not, that a founding knight take on the position, and indeed that the blood of Drogo's line continue to guide our domain to greatness. And various people will show their appreciation Will kneel, and that kind of thing. Yeah, include me in the kneeling people. I do what's required. Yep. You, you go through the motions, well, Velvet. Yeah. The other, um, the other probably has all, you know, to exhaustion, uh, sang the praises of William as a very sensible man that listens to reason. Um, so that's why he likes him. And the Herald will say, and now I must come to a a sadder piece of news. I am sorry to say that Alastair, eldest of the Toreador, to remain in Oxfordshire, has met final death. And after much investigation, it was discovered that his death came at the hands of Sir Francis. And as such, Sir Francis has been stripped of her knighthood and currently awaits the prince's justice. 
for those who are concerned, you should be assured that she sleeps and is a threat to no one at this time. Of course, that puts us in need of a new scourge. And I am honored to be able to introduce Sir Marta of Clan Brulia, who will be stepping into that role. Whoa. And also welcomed as the new heart of Oxfordshire, as was the wish of Sir Thomas when he left. And as the Herald is saying that, Samarta actually steps forward. Um, and you realise there's that moment where the Herald pauses just long enough for you to get the sense that maybe this hasn't been scripted. She carries with her a large sack that clanks. Um, and she very much makes a point of stepping in front of the Herald, like, fuck off, this is my space now. Um, yeah. Which he kind of does, but just slightly slower than, you know, would be entirely polite. But she ignores him. You will see she is um, not wearing the gauntlets that she normally wears. And you'll see she's wearing a ring on her finger. Silas, you'll recognise this. Um, she will say, This ring was a gift from Prince Drogo to Sir Thomas. Called him the heart of Oxfordshire. And when he left, his bloodline decided that I was the one that should have it. That I would be the heart of Oxfordshire. That, that I would represent the best of this domain. And I told them that if they gave it to me, when they tested me, that I would do with it as I saw fit. And that I may not do what they would like. And they accepted that and they gave it to me anyway. She takes the ring from her finger and drops it on the floor in front of her. And it rings out as it hits the floor. She says, I think that's madness to have a heart of Oxfordshire. And then she takes the sack and she upends it. And a flurry of rings of the same color and metal gold fall from the sack and bounce and ring out around the one that she originally dropped. She says, for I believe that we are all the heart of Oxfordshire. I believe it is the responsibility of every one of us to hold the oath and hold everyone else to account. So I say to you, if you are a true citizen of Oxfordshire, then pick it up. Perhaps you will take the true ring, perhaps you won't. In my eyes, it does not matter. I step forward and grab one. Okay. You know, there's this thing where there's that brief pause, right? And then one person goes forward and then everybody kind of goes forward. So when it is finished, all of the rings have gone from the floor. And Marta says, from now on, when someone swears and is accepted as a true citizen, he says, then they will gain one of these rings and join us in a true brotherhood. For that is how it should be. 
So after that, William will say a few words, but essentially the court will settle into, into a more relaxed state. And it seems that that kind of holding of breath of how Oxfordshire will be begins to feel more, more comfortable. And then partway through that court, the Herald will say, there is another great change that we must speak of. If you oh, yeah, gently. lend your ear to the prince. Uh, William will say, it has long been held that Clan Tremere were not to be trusted. Indeed, there have been times where they have not behaved with honour. Nevertheless, there are some Tremere that have served this city for a long time. And indeed, some Tremere that have aided us in times of need. And it is my feeling that no matter your clan, your service is what is most important. And so just as the Toreador have been restored in our eyes, now too will Clan Tremere. And as is the way with that clan, it is appropriate for them to have a regent who will manage their matters whilst they are with us. And that regent is known to you. Her name is Cheng Li. And Cheng Li will be recognised as the region of Oxfordshire. Um, so there's a couple of last little things that I want to do before we, we kind of wrap this up. One of them is that Finn will find you, Silas. And he says... Uh, all right there, Silas. Doing good. You? Oh, glad to hear it, yes. So, so Marta asked me if, if I thought you were ready to be her, her hound. You know, now she's scourging all that. Do you know what I said? Yes. I said no, you. not yet. I said, you're not ready. You've not got the spine for it. What is this all being polite to people when we're trying to get some sense into them? But what I also told her was that you would be ready in the next 20 years. So you and I have got our work cut out for us. Are you one of the hounds now? Might be. Aye. I might be at that. <clears throat> so you're ready to get to work. There's more than one way to skin a cat, Finn. Is that there is. That there is. Now, come with me. I've got some things to show you. <laughs> and he will take you away to begin your training to become a hound of the scourge for the future. Yeah. Theodore, in that same court, William will come to speak with you. But away from the others, it's a private meeting when the court is done. Okay. Um, and he says, whilst I cannot say anything publicly, Theodore, I wanted to let you know that I have noticed your service to the city and that I am sympathetic to your situation, such as it is. And I would reassure you that whatever happens, 
It is always service to Oxfordshire that counts most to me. And in recognition of actions that you took when I had to stay my hand in order to present a certain face to the Camarilla, I have a gift for you. I trust that you will appreciate it. Hey, bow. He, um, he says, I will confess in advance I did employ Miyuki's assistance for some of the details. And um, one of his ghouls will present you with a crest. It's a crest of a tiger standing with scepter and blade crossed behind them. But there is something about the nature of the crown that will strike Theodore as uh, significant. How long have you known, sire? He, uh, he says, long enough, Theodore. Long enough. He says, there are Thank changes you. coming. Trust me. Be patient, and your way will be easier. What does this crest mean in the meantime? For me. Consider it our secret until such time as you might perform services that would enable you to wear it in public. Much appreciated, Prince William. I will not let you down. I am sure of it. And with that, he will leave you. And so there are, there's not a lot more to say suffice to the fact the city will settle into its business the regent will set up um, at the building where the um, where the chantry is is called Greenbriar building um, which won't mean much to many of you but those of you with history will know that there is some significance to it there um, and Oxford will settle in into the beginning of a new age Unbeknownst to all in Oxford, of course, there are tales in the New Forest of strange screams heard at night, wailing and cursing, and sometimes almost intelligible, as if spoken with a French accent. And on that note, I'm going to draw Blood on the Tamases, to a close. Um, I will add that there is a letter that Velvet is going to send to his son. And if you're one of our supporters, we will be putting that up uh, sometime next week for you to enjoy. Uh, now, I do want to say a big and special thank you, uh, obviously to my players, but also to... Um, all of our wonderful tech ghouls who work so hard kind of behind the scenes to make everything happen. Um, oh yes, now before I get to that, let me just say, you might be interested to and know who gets to become a citizen of Oxfordshire with the Herald's coin. So that yeah, winner- And the winner is- The winner is Miss Unreason. 
Congratulations, Mr. Reason. Oh! If you now can let us know primogen. where you would like us to send it, we will get it off to you shortly. Oh, now, algorithm. Do we have an answer to our other question? I get the sense the algorithm is currently computating the answer and is sending it to me very shortly. That is what I'm hoping anyway. Um, <laughs> so whilst we're waiting for that, let me just thank uh, people as I was going to say. And I wanted to um, commemorate in a very sort of little, little way, um, kind of the the Chronicle and also all of your inputs into it, both players and tech goals. So I've got you a little something which is currently um, on its way. It's kind of flying through the post. Uh, but if I can, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on my tech, um, tech goal, Mitch. To, that always um, providing server. Yeah, I'm working hard actually in these last few minutes. Yeah. Um, so, just quickly though, I can now tell you who won the stickers. So, uh, Nico8811DK. There's probably a cool, if I was cool with the kids, my fellow kids, then I would probably know how to say that properly. <laughs> but I don't. So, Nico... Nico88, I don't know. IDK. See, so you're Nico down. Nico88, I don't know. I don't know. You are I'm the down with stickers, the kids. So, oh my God. you can get in touch <laughs> and let us know. Um, your address, we will send those stickers off to you. Have you put the thing in the relevant channels, Mitch? The picture? Wait, one picture. What? So I'm asking Mitch to put a little picture in your Discord channel players so you can see it. Um, and I'm also possibly asking to put it on Twitch. But basically what I've done is I've got you some stickers designed by the wonderful Cedar um, of your characters. Um, and for the tech ghouls, I've got a thing each as well. So there's one for Callum, uh, there is one for Dilly, and there is one for Mitch. And they're relatively self-explanatory oh, as to you. who is who. Uh, the physical versions <laughs> of those are making their way kind of across the ether in real life. But when I get them, I will send them out to you, you know, so you can, uh, Put them wherever you want. <laughs> Thank you. Stick I already know where I'm going. The sun doesn't shine. Um, but I do <laughs> want to say, uh, obviously, we've had occasional technical joys and other excitements. But it has been a real pleasure to run the game for you all. Uh, and also Lane out there. Hello. Um, and I've always been really bowled over by our fabulous supporters who not only obviously kind of watch us and support us in that way, but also who've got involved and been part of the Chronicle as well. And I'm delighted how all of that has turned out as well. So a massive, massive thank you to all of you. Um, is there anything else I should be saying at this point? I don't think so. So I would, um, I would just say that this is not quite the end. We will be back Mitch and I next week to talk about story things. Um, but otherwise, super thank you you've all been fabulous and i'm gonna i'm gonna hand over one last time to mitch he's gonna cut me dead which is actually probably gonna bring him a great deal of pleasure <laughs> so, <laughs> so goodbye everyone thanks for thanks for watching goodbye. and i hope to see you next week all the best bye